This is Mickey Angeline, and you are listening to The Bad Filipino, the podcast that dips just the tip into satire, cradles your feelings with a tad bit of empathy, and dives intensively into reality. I'm half Filipino who is 100% bad at being authentic to my own culture, but I'm always authentic to myself. On each episode, I expose my guests to the parts of each topic that most folks choose to ignore, like why pineapple is bad on pizza, or why it's so hard for people to look themselves in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, Here we are back with the Bad Filipino, your host, Nikki Angeline. This is episode five. And I have welcomed a very good friend and incredible person in the Sacramento music scene. Like he's been in 72 bands and he mixes all music for all these other people. And he does all these awesome covers. And he even has his own uh, YouTube channel, The Ruling Notes, which goes over like all the, the idiosyncrasies and cool tips with gear. And he that's this awesome. Okay, I'm gonna let him explain it because you did <laughs> Metallica and it was so dope. So without further ado, I welcome Mike King to the show. How you guys doing? What's up? What's, what's up? up? Thanks for being this. here, yo. Yeah, thanks for having me. Heck yeah. So let's go into okay, so we'll start with a little intro on you so that those who don't know who you are understand why you're such a big deal. We can go over a little bit of your history with your music here in the sax scene, and then we'll end it with um, getting to your ruling note videos because those are super dope. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, so I have been kind of active in the Sacramento music scene for a pretty good long time. I think what 2004, 2005. Uh, I was in a band that my first band that I was in, uh, was called Prilosis. We were together for close to 10 years, nine, 10 years. Um, and then, and we did, we did quite a bit. Um, and we, we were like more like a heavy rock, uh, kind of a thing for a while. It was, it was, really it was i had a whole bunch of fun and uh after we all moved on um i moved on to another project uh called digital havoc which is more kind of like my flavor it's kind of straight ahead more straight ahead hard rock but it's got some like electronic influence in there a little bit you know um and i just kind of kept branching out and doing other stuff too so uh around sacramento most people might recognize me as a sound guy um i've been around for a few uh, years doing that, I was in a venue called the Back Nine. Shout out to Jared and all the crew there, uh, out there. And, I remember that. Yeah, uh, and I had I had a great time uh, there for a while. But I've also worked some other venues too, uh, the Boardwalk. Um, last year, I a lot of the time I was at uh, Swabby's on the River, working with like a lot of really kick-ass like pro. Uh, cover bands like touring cover bands different kind of stuff so i had a lot of fun with that but more recently um especially with you know kind of a, how everything hit and everybody's kind of at home i've been doing home entertainment stuff so i am part of a podcast uh called the zennial chronicles and uh that one's oh, that more like cool what is that are, are you are you familiar with the term zennial at well, all do you know what it, what it means in general no okay so the term i probably zennial... should and i don't 
some people joke about the term zenial and say like it's kind of like millennials in denial. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but okay, basically, the older one of us in so the technical actual like cusp, like the the cutoff, is like I want to say it's like argued between Gen X and and millennials is like 80, 81 ish give or take but there's this window of probably about four or five years uh between about 77 and about 83 okay and a lot of people that are born in that era in that era and i was i was born in 82 um a lot of people born around there kind of see themselves socially fitting with gen x in some areas and other areas they see themselves fitting in with millennials oh um okay because there's that in between spot yeah, we're in the in-between spot. We're like... we Like being exactly... on the cusp of your astro- astrological sign. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> kind of like uh, kind of like that. Uh, it's, it's basically like if you were to say that... I don't know. It's almost like uh, <laughs> like Little House on the Prairie was having reruns. Oh, geez. But it was before everybody had a computer in their house. Oh, geez. You know, like... Yeah. That's kind of like... It's, it, there's this space in time where these kids that were growing up kind of got the experience of both. Like you had a, you had a landline in the house. Um, yeah. and you had to remember phones. your parents' phone number and yes. that kind of stuff. Like those experiences don't necessarily hit as hard with like, say the millennials as they do with Gen X. But oh, okay. at the same okay, time, okay. Gen Xers may not have grown up with, you know, transformers, you know, or definitely not with like Ninja Turtles as a cartoon thing, or the Dare program was something that Gen Xers fought against more so yeah. than they did just have presented to them as children. And it's we had that experience where we were like right in between. Well, because so I'm the, Gen X, so I agree. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so the idea is that we tend to Xennials in general tend to attach themselves to one side or the other, but neither completely on one end how funny so um and so we you're basically the bisexual window. people of generations gotcha <laughs> yes. okay yeah <laughs> bi-generational so then, so then with that i love that so bi-generational so with that podcast i mean on, that sounds really cool i i think i might want to listen to that you're part of that you said yes uh me okay. and my buddy james uh we are we are that uh we have podcasts that come out every thursday um we we bust them every thursday where and we it's called the what? Record them every Monday. Uh, it's called the Zennial Chronicles. So you can go to the zennialchronicles.com and uh, see the and and hear the podcast from the website. But we're also on like Spotify and TuneIn and Apple, cool. and uh, we got a YouTube page and all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, that's mainly what we do. Our podcasts are between like an hour and hour and a half, and we okay. talk about the history behind a lot of the stuff that influenced us as kids, or just kind of like our opinion of the way that things are going right now. You know. We kind of go back and forth on that, so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, and it's kind of like a nice thing to turn on and and just kind of listen to while you're working on stuff in the house or something. I don't know, driving to work. I, that kind no, of I will. And you said it's all over because I'm going to add it to my Spotify for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, we are. I'm on probably going to relate to some so. of that stuff. So oh is that yeah, an, for sure. Is that with an X or a Z? With an X. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, I actually heard the term Xennial with a Z, which I actually thought was really funny because you know there's going to be those cuspers between the millennials <laughs> and the Gen Zers, right. and they're going to call themselves that. Like I, I'm, I'm calling it right now. I had a friend of mine call him, call himself that. Uh, I'll if AJ's listening, shout out to AJ. He said that, and that term stuck with me. Like he said that like a year and a half ago, and I was oh, like, geez. that 
that makes sense. So you're going to see those guys too, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So going back and forth, we're going to go back and forth with stuff with you. Um, when it comes to the music, what was the latest thing that you released before the pandemic hit? I mean, were you doing performances live? Were you like in the studio in the middle of mixing something? Like what was happening for you as a musician here in Sacramento before the quarantine and the shutdown took place? Uh, I am, I have a, you know, running at my own pace type project called Digital Havoc. Um, Which I love, by the way. For, thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, the, the, the one thing that we did for sure that's a full release right now uh, is back in late 2017, uh, we did a full length album uh, that came out. It's called Welcome to the End. Um, it's available on like all the streaming platforms, you know, uh, YouTube, Spotify, that kind of stuff. So it's there. Uh, that one was... That one was pretty, uh, that one was probably the most recent thing that we've fully done aside from every once in a while, I would release like a music video or something like that. That's somewhat related to it, uh, for funsies on our YouTube page, digital havoc does have a YouTube page. Um, yes. so yeah, check us out there too. And that, that's pretty much it. Uh, anything else musically, I was just kind of like dialing back because a lot of us, a lot of us in the band are kind of doing our own things too. Like the other members of the band that we have, like I've got uh Carl from Korean fire drill. He's my former Prilosis bandmate. Love him. He's, yes. He's absolutely awesome. And I, I swear I couldn't see myself being motivated to really do anything without him. Like we're like, I, I feel like I lock in with him real well. He's, he's a fantastic guitar player. He's a fantastic oh, he personality. Great. Yes. Um, and he's so easy to work with. He's and just hilarious. A, oh yeah, absolutely. All those guys from KFD <laughs> too, like all of them, they're fantastic people. Yeah. Um, but so we have Carl, um, uh, my dude, Captain. Uh, he, he goes by Captain. His name's Adam. Uh, he's our he's our bassist. Been our bassist pretty much from the from the get go for the most part. And uh, and our drummer, uh, our drummer Nico, as well. Um, we haven't played a show with Nico yet, though. We're planning oh, on it, but okay. obviously that's not going to be happening anytime soon. So everybody's just kind of working on their own pace. We yeah. have a few plans out on the horizon right now. And uh, right now it's just kind of laying low, staying in contact, being chill, having fun and that kind of stuff. And every once in a while, the digital havoc thing might come out. I might put something out. I'm always working on stuff, you know? So, Yeah. Right on. So, you know, you had my head spinning because I was thinking y'all could get together and space yourselves apart and even wear masks and even sing with the masks mm -hmm. and then have people like uh, you could record it or mm -hmm. go live. That would be interesting. Like super garage band, literally in a garage, but a really big garage. That is an idea that I have <laughs> played with, but I'm not entirely, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and throw in the chickens. That. I'm, I'm, huh? Throwing oh, the chickens. Yeah. The By the way, definitely going to be a part of the next thing that we do. Whatever. I'm not sure who this is. I may but or may not have been hi. playing with that idea. <laughs> I don't know if you know who who is basic, but they're saying hi. Hey, what's going on? They're from. I don't know Twitch. who is basic either. They're from I'm, Twitch. I'm, oh, Welcome. they're on Twitch. Welcome oh, nice. Who is basic? Yeah, this is live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. Oh, nice. Well, thanks because for checking in. Yeah, so let's because let's dive into why we're kind of concerned with Facebook as of October first. Oh, uh, you know what? I, okay. Did so you do more research on that? I did. I okay. did. And it's actually kind of, people are going to have strong opinions about this. So yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, let's do it. Strong opinions. Go strong opinions. Go. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> here's the deal. 
in order to take a look at what Facebook is doing, you have to take a look at another platform like what YouTube is doing, other platforms okay. like Twitch and that kind of stuff. So the thing about um, how all of this works is Facebook came out with an announcement back on Friday, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and they basically left this vague description of what they're going to do in response to people playing music. They said that their purpose uh, for video feeds on Facebook was to be personal. You know, it's meant for like personal friends and family stuff, having fun and, and trying to have like a positive mindset on stuff and whatever they decide to do. Like, I'm I'm not going to rip on anybody for being whatever, but a lot of people had a problem with it because what people have been doing, especially more recently during the COVID stuff, is they have just been playing like live concerts from their living room. Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that's an amazing feat. And to be Facebook completely and honest, especially if it's especially if it's your own material, like what better way to promote yourself than right freaking now? Especially people that are always they're looking for something new. They're looking for something to listen to at home. And it's a lot easier to open up your phone or open up your, your computer and listen to a playlist at home while you're doing this than it is to even go to a live show, even when live shows were available at times. Like some yeah. people were not necessarily driven to do that. You have a lot of opportunity for new entertainment to come in. And I think that's great. But what Facebook did was they put out a, a warning uh, essentially that said, if you're playing music uh, if you're using the Facebook live feed or even uploading videos of music, especially in the form of playlists, um, did no, you I'm remember just, to drink water today? <laughs> I'm just throwing that up for people to see. It's important oh, okay. to drink water. Oh, We're on fire here in California. <laughs> Please drink your water. So. Yes. Um, then anyway, so, so they, they put this warning out there. It's basically like, hey, man, if you guys are using this to put out music, then we can flag it or we could flag your account or we'll straight up take it down. Like it was super ominous because it didn't have a full description. So me, like everybody else that I knew that was involved in music, especially those that have been trying to do live performances on Facebook, they freaked out. So um, essentially I, I saw a lot of people uh, uh, talking about it. It was kind of a big deal and there just wasn't enough of a description straight up in Facebook's uh, actual page itself that described the terms and conditions. I looked them up and that's kind of basically what it said. However, they did come out with a statement yesterday that really kind of helped define it a little bit. So the idea is that Facebook is essentially cool with, if you bust out your phone and you record a live concert of people playing live, that's not really a big deal. The problem comes to, because uh, what that means is when you open up, a video, a live feed of a video, and you're recording something that's happening in front of you, technically you as the owner of the camera, like if you take a photo with a camera, you mm -hmm. are you can screenshot everything from your phone now. Well, yes, you could, but that's completely different. What I'm talking about is when you're on when you're on your camera right. or when you're when you're using your camera and you take a picture of something in real life, you own that. You yes. own the copyright to it, technically speaking. Um now, when it comes to when it comes to copyrighted music, though, something that is pre-recorded, performed, and then streamed out—that's a whole different story. Okay. Your if you take if I took Metallica's playlist and I threw it on top of my own video, even my own footage, and I threw copyrighted music straight on it, they own that music. They don't own the video footage, but they own the music. 
The thing is, is you've got people that are using pre-recorded copyrighted music and using it in a format that makes it recognizable as what it is. So a lot of this is going to end up affecting guys like DJs that use pre-recorded music in playlist and, and split from one song to another in a playlist style setup. Like that's the, that's who it's going to affect essentially most, or people that put up literally playlists of other people's copyrighted music to throw up on Facebook to listen to, because a lot of the time that stuff is either hard to track or you don't have the proper uh, avenues to make sure that the people who made that music are paid for that performance. Mm-hmm. That is entirely different from when you go on radio or even if you go into your YouTube playlist. Correct. Now that I'm bringing YouTube into it, this is how YouTube works. YouTube has an entire network where they record and work with multiple artists, independent, major, otherwise, that broad that allows them to broadcast music at uh, music at will for anybody that wants to listen to it. So if you go on to YouTube and you search for the for Digital Havoc, you search for my band and you start playing my videos on that channel, I have I go through another company that I have registered that music with that then gets that playlist and I am essentially paid like my band is essentially paid royalties for the performance of that song of on course. YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. One at a time. It's how Spotify works. Correct. It's how And it's how yeah, Facebook it's how, is not set up, but Facebook yes. could set up that way, but they'd rather not. That is now that is their choice essentially as a business. That's choice. what I get to. Right. So the difference is now when YouTube originally started doing this, they actually did not do that. They were striking videos down before no. they set up the network. This happened like three or four years ago. Yeah. People were having problems with it and it started affecting other people too. So if you released a cover song, if you released, uh, if you had five or six seconds or eight seconds or 10 seconds, whatever worth of another song uh, by another artist that you use for intro music for something else, that video gets taken down. It's It's practically like... Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's detected by an algorithm that sometimes a, somebody's lawyer or representative is on there going, that's my band's music or that's, I represent that band, take that video down. And that's what it was because those artists aren't getting paid. Right. So in order to circumvent this problem, YouTube essentially set up a network with an automated system that hears the digital footprint of XYZ band's music. Uh, or whoever artist music and goes, hey, that's somebody else's music. We're going to go ahead and take ad revenue for that, whether or not the video is put up uh, for free or if it's from what's called a monetized account or what have you. They take that and they throw that into the uh, they they take that and they throw that into the uh, into the database and they allow the band to make money off ad revenue for right. that music, which is completely fine and it solves two problems because the band makes money and the video stays up so for the sake of entertainment you have that now the problem is that facebook is brand new at this and people were actually at one point circumventing the fact that facebook didn't have this network so they would upload a video to facebook instead of youtube and one of the things that facebook because they're a competing social network type company just like youtube even though it uses video is actually more of a social network than it is just a video platform. Um, Facebook prioritizes their own videos. So people can use or were using Facebook to promote themselves in some way or another. 
because YouTube would block it or YouTube would take the money. So there were people that were taking advantage of this. Now, here's the thing, though. Going, going forward uh, to last Monday, after all of this, this does not necessarily mean that Facebook is going to just take your video down because you're doing a live performance. They especially won't do it if you're doing a live performance of your own material. Um, that's yours. Yeah, not a big deal. Okay. Um, if now I don't know if this is true or not, or how this is going to be regulated because this hasn't even kicked in yet. But if you're doing a live performance of somebody else's song, that may or may not be a problem. I don't know. Right. And because bands do cover that at times. Bands do that. As a matter of fact, on my page, on the ruling note page, I just put out a cover of REM. I did it earlier this year. I put it up on YouTube. I was playing uh, it on this show before. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's like a cover of, in, in case anybody wants to see it, it is on Facebook. Um, and this actually went out like the week before they put the announcement. And I was like, oh God, what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, but see, yours is, to me, that wouldn't do it because you really, someone would have to tell half of the world what that song was because you do it in such a different dramatic way. There's no way. That and you're not making may- money off of it. I am not making money off of it. However, mm-hmm. um, I do not know whether or not I, I'm honestly like I don't know the answer to this, and I am not a lawyer. I have no right. clue, right. like how they're going to handle this. This comes down to whether or not Facebook handles it the way that they want to. Um, as far as I know, with YouTube, uh, it's it's hit or miss depending on whether or not the band allows a cover of their song. I know. I feel like um, I want to bring that up, but it's best to be yeah. as honest as possible. And when you're trying to distribute, you actually need if you're trying to distribute a cover for sale, or if you're trying to distribute it even online in a streaming platform, the the system itself for that has essentially moved forward uh, to help handle those situations. Um, when it comes down to making sure that uh, an artist gets their rights because there's songwriting royalties that are essentially uh, deserved to the original artist who wrote the song, regardless of whether or not there's a change of style. That's, that's irrelevant. Um, and that's essentially all, all I did. I changed the style of it to, to it. It's more like a, I don't know. It, it could be somewhat considered parody, but I'm not exactly sure that it is. Oh, because um, it's not weird. really making... And parody is a whole different ball. Yeah, I must say parody is, is like, whoa. to me, when I think of parody, I think of um, Weird Al Yankovic. And yes, I'm talking my generation yeah. right now, Gen X. But, and he got rights to do all that. And he even got permission. And a lot of the artists that he did the covers enjoyed what he did with those songs. Um, well, I, you... I actually am looking up that stuff on... Uh, the th- did you hear about the whole legal stuff with 2 Live Crew when they did that? Like, I ended up having to look into 2 Live Crew when I did... You I mean just did back a... in the day? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yes. when Roy Orbison's estate sued two live crew for putting out Pretty Woman. You know what? Actually, I didn't follow them enough to know that they actually did that. <laughs> oh, so get I didn't this. know that they put out their version or whatever of Pretty Woman. Did they really? They did. Why? They asked Roy Orbison's estate to put out their own version. Okay. And they never got a response as far as, as, far as I remember. So they put it out anyway. And oh. then the estate of Roy Orbison sued them because I believe the song used... A recording of the uh, it was a sampled recording of the original opening guitar bass line. Okay. Oh, and, because that's what artists were doing then when they were doing the sampling and round. Right. Okay. Uh, now dude, it makes I'm sense. I'm telling okay. you right now, if anybody tried to put out "License to Ill" like or something that was like "License to Ill" or anything like the White Zombie stuff, it would be practically impossible unless you were rich enough to pay all of the royalties for all the stuff. That includes like movie quotes and stuff. 
That's half the reason why White Zombie was able to get the career they did is because they came out at the time that they did. Such yeah. as the same cases with most rap artists until they started. Oh my gosh! Sued, don't even start. Uh, Public Enemy. They mixed like a oh, yeah. dozen songs in each. Song. Oh yeah. They Have were you, geniuses like, go with back and, that. Go back and listen to listen to License Ill. The first song combines Sweet Leaf, yeah. uh, the Sweet Leaf guitar riff from Black Sabbath, and When the Levee Breaks Drumline, and you yeah. know it is. It yeah. is that. It's that like, obvious. Well, unmistakably I mean, so. It, I mean, you know, the artists, and it was on the East Coast. Where it said, I mean, I watched those, the, the birth and legend and, and beginnings of hip hop. I mean, it was spoken word and they wanted music backdrops. This was way before computers and you didn't create your own beats. You mm -hmm. had DJs and you had vinyl. And so when then scratching and Dude. mixing came along and then someone said, let's put the two together. Let's put Dude. let's put the spoken word, the rapping yeah. without, and then you know, beatboxer or whatever. And mm -hmm. to, I have so many twelve inch single vinyls of songs that blatantly just lifted it, took it, and sold it. So I get you on that one. Oh yeah. So <laughs> what? So uh, going back to uh, two live crew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Please do because I know I almost feel like I want to pull that up, but it's probably not even anywhere to pull up because they got saved. It is actually. It is such a crazy case. The okay. case is so nuts that it's actually used as case study oh God, for lawyers. While you're talking. Now, if you're in, if you go to law school, especially for music law, this is a major case study. It's funny if you go to find Two Live Crews Pretty Woman on YouTube. In Here the comment section, look in the comment section. I think one of the top comments of the first one is, "I wonder how many people are drawn to this video because they're studying law school." Oh shoot! Well, okay. How about no we joke. just, dude? But, okay, real quick. Do you mind if I play it? Uh, I don't, but I don't understand. I, I can't, I can't necessarily like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, Nothing's I, I gonna guess happen. I, I don't know, I don't know that part song. of the song, not the whole song, like, no, yeah, 20 but yeah, just for an it. example. And yeah. then I can go over it if you want. That's great. Let's, let's do that because I really want to, um, that's it. Cause I also, I'm going to share with everybody your stuff too. Cause your stuff oh, is thanks. dope. Yeah. Thank so you. So let's, here we go. Are we on it? Okay. <laughs> There it is. That's a great example. I swear to you that that it's like they just tried to be like freaking um, when Run DMC did Walk This Way with right with Aerosmith, but obviously right. they did it together, so that's why it worked. I feel like they were just sort of stealing that idea and. Okay, so get this. But there's another band that did that too with Wipeout. Do you remember? Uh, that they covered the song Wipeout. Oh, you keep talking. I'm gonna find it. Okay. Um. <laughs> So here's the thing. You're li you're talking about things that that's more like a cover. Like Run DMC no, doing Walk not, This Way with Aerosmith is technically a cover, a cover quote unquote. That's but true. what Two Live Crew did, that's technically parody because what they did was they took the part of the song, and this is what was argued in court. Um, they took the part of the song that was that was recognizable so that people knew and understood it. And then what they ended up doing was changing the lyrics to make it mean something entirely different. Mm. That's what Weird Al does. That's technically what Weird Al does. Yeah. And oh, no, totally. that's what constitutes his parody. It's actually, it's actually written in. There's laws written into what constitutes his parody. It's, it's protected under free speech. Um, God, what was but the crazy group? part about uh, the case was that they were essentially sued because they asked for the rights to do it as if it was a cover first. Mm, gotcha. And okay. then they released it. 
However, what ended up happening was the song deviated so much from the original material. Like the Van Halen cover of Pretty Woman is a straight ahead cover. It's the same lyrics. It's the same guitar riff. It's just done in the style of Van Halen because that's what they did at the time. But Two Live Crew changed it entirely. They ended up creating an entirely different song that had different lyrics, even though it's to the same melody. It's parody. It changes the meaning of the song by changing the lyrics entirely. Um, Now, that being said, the argument in the Supreme Court was that I don't believe that they actually awarded it. I think they they passed on the case and brought it back down. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've taken a look at it. But what ended up happening was it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And yeah, and the Supreme Court, uh, the the argument for passing the law back down so that it was settled, because they ended up settling out of court after everything was done. Okay. But the law itself, like the Supreme Court had to line out exactly what constituted a parody and why this did or did not fit. And then they set out specific rules that says, a parody has to reference the original uh, piece in some way. And then on top of that, they also have to, but it also has to be able to deviate so that it does either poke fun or say something different to where it changes the meaning of the song uh, to mean something entirely different. Like you could change the title, you could change the lyrics, you can use that. But the original title of the song is technically Oh Pretty Woman, not Pretty Woman. A lot of people call it Pretty Woman, but it's I actually know, but it's oh, oh Pretty, pretty woman. woman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, didn't Vanilla Ice went through all that with his sample of the Queen song? Yes, and he tries because... to lie and say that it was different because it was dun 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 or whatever right. he was. He's trying like, to say. I added like... one note. Yeah, yeah. That did that didn't fly. <laughs> that they doesn't totally fly yeah. at all. That didn't fly at all. And here's the thing: that was different because it doesn't reference anything. Nothing in the song that has to nope. do with the lyrics. If he starts singing that song. And then changes the lyrics and stays with the melody of it, which that's obviously what he didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a recognizable line and inserted it into another song. That's different than referencing a song and then changing it so that it becomes some form of satirical joke. Gotcha. And that's actually um, that's actually one of the things I talk about with uh, uh, in reference to the Beatallica video. Um, when I put out a, a video on a mashup band. Are you you're familiar with mashups, right? You know what those oh, are? Oh, totally. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I love the hell out of mashups because they'll take me two too. songs and my daughter yeah, shares mash them, them with up me together. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so what now? My daughter she shares them with me all the time because she's always oh, on dude. YouTube. She's like, "Mom, you got to hear this." And this is a mashups are amazing, but this uh, uh, this band is uh, called Beatallica, so it's a mashup band. I remember I saw your doc, your little video, and it you was did. amazing. Oh yeah! If Holy there's heck! Seen this, hasn't seen the video? Go check it out. It's honestly one of the most interesting stories that I've ever heard of come from the internet. And the guys that I I, I got a hold of a few of the guys to to interview them. It was an amazing. It was an amazing experience. I couldn't be more grateful. Like, it's it, it's it's fantastic. But and, um, yeah, you shared on whole, your YouTube page, right? On the ruling note page, or is it on a different? It's on our, yeah, it's on the ruling note music. So ruling note music on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash ruling note music, you can find the video there. It's the most recent one in the playlist. Good. Yes. Yeah. Good to know that. You know, I'm so glad you brought all that up. The memories of remembering when artists were first doing that and being young and not knowing that laws would be involved. You know, you don't, as as a fan, you don't usually pay attention 
to the legalities of music. You just are excited to hear music and then bands start doing that. And mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, I shouldn't say bands, music artists, because fat boys aren't a band. But well, yeah, yeah, band artists, uh, yeah. It just musical entities, <laughs> yeah. depending on, on, on what that is. Like, yeah, I, I it, it, it's getting, I, I, I got really interested in that. Um, oh yeah, you cover a lot of that on your on your YouTube page. Yeah, yeah, which is really I, cool. I got I got really interested in that, especially with um, especially with I I love I one of the things I always loved as a kid and, and just kind of getting into into music in general were covers. I always loved covers. It's how you introduce yourself as a talent to yep. anybody is the ability to play something to the point where people enjoy it, uh, whether or not it's faithful to the original work. Right. Um, and usually when you started playing music, you would try to emulate people you idolized. Right. And that's often how you learn to play an instrument or sing a song was yeah. you were doing your own version of karaoke. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's oh. that's pretty much it. So, I've so then for been... you, let's reach back into your past. Do you remember the first song you learned on guitar? Oh, man. Let's go back because you, you play every freaking instrument. So, which I'm going to pull up your video in a second. <laughs> uh. Boy, the first song I learned on guitar. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my dad was a guitar player, and he would teach me like straight chords and stuff way back. But some of the earliest material that I remember, especially when I really got into playing guitar, when I was like, I didn't really get into it until I was like 13, 14. Okay. Um, was hammering out like... Stone Temple Pilots stuff. Mm, like that's one of the, the first risks. Days. But then I really, really got into like more classic stuff after that. So Van Halen for a while was like one of my favorite. Oh, bands. Eddie Van Halen, please. Yeah. And was it was he hard to try to copy like with the yes his the, the his chord runs and his he solos uses is very different from a lot of other guitar players. Okay. Um, and I'm not talking even the lead stuff. I mean, like it's unless you have like a floyd you can't even play somebody get me a doctor it's really doesn't yeah and that's one of my favorite songs by them and i still like unless unless you're really doing a lot of bending like you can you can it can be pulled off like there's a lot of guitarists a lot better than i am uh i'm 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 a i'm one of the okayest guitar players that you will ever come across but that is (laughs) one of my favorite songs uh to play i love it and then after that i got into metallica and it was just it was straight from there. Done. I went back. I was like Motorhead, Sabbath, like all, all the super, it. super. And what is it that stuff. attracts you to that style of playing? Because that's really it's, what we're going to get down to. Not even listening to the music as a fan, because it's so different yeah. when you hear a song versus when you break it down. So what is it about that style of guitar that really draws you? To me, it's it's beefy and it's intense. And there's still a lot of depth and emotion that can okay. come along with it. Okay. Uh, if you, like, you can, there's there's plenty of artists, especially metal artists, that have backgrounds in jazz and in classical music and all this kind of stuff. And metal for a long time, and even today, like a lot of people listen to, they, especially if they have a passive listen at metal, they think it's just like way too super in your face um, or just it's always angrier. It's always in your face or whatever. Like the amount of depth and uh, breadth of metal in a genre has so, there's so much there's styles on top of styles and, 
And it could be the lyrical content or it could be just the musical, the rhythmic content. I also like hearing like people flip genres right in mid song. One oh, my, okay. One of my favorite bands um, is a band called, I don't know if they're still doing stuff. I think last I checked, they were still doing stuff to play in small clubs, uh, but they were launching pretty huge. They were from Puerto Rico. They're called Puya. Oh, dang. Okay. And they, dude, anything off the fundamental album from Puya. You got to send that to me because I want to listen. Yes. Oh, dude, <laughs> it's it's amazing. I don't even think they have a lot of that stuff on like YouTube. I kept trying to look it up. Couldn't really find mm. it. I think somebody like pirated the album and a full playlist. Maybe I'll find it somewhere. And I'll, so I'll then, link okay, you. if you can't find it on YouTube, where would you find it? Their website? Uh, if they I mean, have it up on their website, most oh. of these guys have. It depends on, well, certain time frames and periods, whether or not these guys are on or oh, are gotcha. even taking care of that, putting okay. it out. Uh, yeah. Most of I, honestly, like, only stuff that I have a Puya is like hard copies backed up on my computer. Snap back in the day. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, so I, so I still keep, I still keep music. Like, <laughs> yeah. I still keep like scores and scores of CDs. And now I'm starting to collect vinyl because it's just, God, it oh. sounds good. <laughs> you know, and okay. So let me, I want to play everyone your song. Cause I played it at oh, okay. someone else. It's so fucking good. And then I want to go into the whole, the whole topic of vinyl. Cause yeah, I love sure. vinyl, but that's of course my time. So look at here you are. We're going to share you. Y'all, this is Mike, and he did this amazing cover of, which is so timely, right? R.E.M.'s End of the World. Yeah. <laughs> but he does it to the tune of Slipknot. Yeah. It's and it's like brilliant. It's... And, of course, he's playing every instrument because that's Mike. Oh, thank you. That's the greatest start within her complete word makes an I rocked that all the time. I would have had that on Thank loop you. when you first released that because I thought, now for me, the genre doesn't appeal to me unless there's a beat that I can follow because I grew up with soul, R&B. I grew up with um, earlier notes of hip hop before it became the hard stuff that it did. Well, I don't even know. Let's not even talk about it. It's not even hard now. But when, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny because what they called hard rock now yeah. Or then is more pop now because you know how styles yeah. evolve. But yes. for me, there had to be like a beat and there had to be a, some, which is why I can't get into Jay Z's music because it's like, fuck, you don't rhyme. So, and, and, <laughs> and your flow is like, my whole thing was, is if I can't do your song in karaoke, I'm not touching it. And so, but you it. took a song it. that's a pop song, so it has the beat. You mm -hmm. kept that beat and then you made it heavy as fuck and it was like i could feel like i would i would literally have sex to that song because there's Sweet. such a beat to it there's such a beat to it but it's so like heavy and it's and i thought shit look at mike look at look Thank at you. him fucking roll so thanks man thanks for covering thank that i think you should do more of those 
because that's amazing. In fact, that might be a segment you could do on your podcast where you take songs from that in-between generation and mm-hmm. then you throw in your heavy elements to it and even just do like a 45 second like it doesn't have to be the whole song you could do yeah, like just 40, something like 45 second it. snippets why not it's i think great. you because you would rock at it you play every instrument okay wait what instrument don't you play i am not a saxophonist okay or a piano player really no keyboards okay no i'm not really a keyboard player like i can dink around on a keyboard and find a chord but yeah i can't keep up like and i'm I, I i don't jam most of the time either like but yeah i'm i'm most comfortable with like guitar and bass yeah i saw that i didn't even know you played bass but so the transition to bass it is different right from guitar uh it's where you sit in it's it, it for me it's where you like sit in the mix most of the time like people that play bass just kind of copy the guitar line for the most part okay. and guilty guilty as charged guilty like, as charged <laughs> I'm not, I am not a bassist, uh, in, in the least bit. I just happen to have one so that I could play a bass line. But, um, the art of bass, like the real art of bass, like your Victor Wooten's or your Les Claypool's and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. dude, that is untouchably crazy. But, uh, who are some of your favorite bass artists? Well, them two. Those uh, two. Getty Lee is a huge, 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 wonderful bassist. But, uh, gosh, John Entwistle. Oh, man. John Entwistle was heavy bass before Cliff Burton was born, man. Like, <laughs> oh, and Cliff Burton's another another huge one. Like, there's a lot of good bassists that have fantastic tone that that you you just don't even like. There's uh, there's this one of my favorite guys right now is a dude that have you seen this video cycling around like Facebook and YouTube or it's like a TikTok video or something, and it's this um, it's this guy that. I want to say he's he's a Pacific Islander. I know that. Okay. But he plays a salsa bass line on top of uh he plays a salsa bass line on top of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Stop and it. And just murders it. He Stop does it. so sick. Okay, and I'm gonna have to look that up. Just, it, it changed <laughs> the entire feel of the whole song. It turns Dang. into a salsa dance number. And dude, the guy just like he gets hella into it, like he does it in like news interviews and stuff, and you're just watching the bass tone is it that great because they like di'd it in like a news conference somewhere oh. like it i think it's oh, like okay. i think it's the philippines maybe i'm not i'm not positive but i think right. it might be but anyways they're like <laughs> yeah they're oh man he's so good he's so good That's he turns hilarious. the whole song freaking upside down and then all of a sudden he gets super into it he's like sitting in his chair playing the part and then he gets up and starts dancing along with it at the same time and changes like the whole feel of it just walking around like tripping over his own cable but just like <laughs> flawless absolutely flawless it's the most entertaining thing i've ever seen see i love so those good. i love when artists can get creative like you did with that where you you take it in a direction you didn't think would work and yeah. it just works i think that's my favorite thing of Thank all you. of mashups is that when yes. you don't think it would work and it works yeah it's the most amazing thing i'm a huge fan of that kind of stuff i love seeing like genre change-ups or even like updates on stuff where you know different versions of songs i've always had had an infatuation for so so then what drew you to um to going i should say not even back to because you didn't start with it but with vinyl yeah like what what was your draw to it besides the fact that it's analog and it's a lot richer of a sound (laughs) uh the science behind it and the fact that i i have i have done stuff um i've never put anything on vinyl like i would love to put like digital havoc on vinyl that is like a dream of mine there it is is so damn expensive to actually get done yes um 
I'm not saying it's unachievable. It's no, just, it's I'm damn waiting, expensive. But I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but my um, my fascination with vinyl was, I mean, it's there's always the nostalgia behind it, right? Like, I my, my grandma and my aunt had a copy of Thriller that I'd listened to when I was like three. Oh, you know? okay. And so that's kind of like what it always brings me back to. But okay. um, as far as that, like, there is a richness to it. But I could get into the technological thing about that, but I think I'm actually going to make a video on that because you should be surprised what it what actually makes that super rich sound that a lot of people like fawn over vinyl for. Yeah, please do. I mean, I've interviewed artists in the past when vinyl was first making that comeback. And I want to say it was like 2000. 14, I think 2013 when the young people were like oh yeah we're gonna do vinyl and then I had interviewed a couple of artists and they didn't realize how much space just bass takes up in recording oh yeah on vinyl you know because mm-hmm. that's why digital is so much easier for everybody just to make their music it's, it's such yeah. an it is an easier platform to upload it's not as expensive you can do it yourself but vinyl is a work yeah. of art it doesn't vinyl is a work of art yes very much so um, learning how to learning about the lathe, the RIA curve, like all that kind of stuff that goes into making a vinyl record work. Like that's why if you ever, ever want to listen to the greatest record that was ever put on vinyl, and I will swear this up <laughs> and down, and I know there are plenty of people that will not agree with me, but for I'm going to banner this. What clarity, is it? Dark Side of the Moon is the best record because, um, and I learned about this, limiting a lot of the... Uh, dark side no no that's bark at the moon oh no, that's dark side bark- of the moon pink floyd pink floyd dark duh okay sorry yeah. the reason why is because their producer alan parsons you probably heard of the alan parsons project but didn't know mm-hmm. who the guy is he was a producer for um in the 70s and it was an ex- dark side of the moon was an experiment in dynamics uh when it came down to just musical expression and being able to create a journey of music that's why it's so heralded. That's why it was on uh that's why it was on the charts for like the last like 40 years. Like okay. constant pretty much. I think it dropped off the chart for like one or two years and then it came back. And it's Well, when you say Pink Floyd, I already believe that. In history. Huh? I already believe that when you say that. But then okay, even though you say that, have you, that's not with your experience of listening to every song ever on vinyl either. That's just No, a, no, no. All the vinyl you have come across. Yes. That is There's your favorite. A, there is, that is my favorite because of the vinyl that I came across, that is my favorite because it explores the medium of vinyl in the in the best way sonically that I've ever heard. And like having a copy of it, I can tell you that. There's even remastered ones that you could pick up, to be completely honest. If you could find an original pressing of that and it's in really, really, really good shape, get it. Oh my gosh, that's like finding comics in their original... Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's holy grail, man. It's a total the holy, holy grail, grail of vinyls. The yeah. original press of, of Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Get it. It's probably <laughs> worth a lot if you find it. If you were yes. to go to try to go on eBay, I'm sure someone would just rape the crap out of you to sell it to you. Oh, yes. Very much so. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it goes for a mint. It still, it still mm. goes for a mint. I've looked it up. It's, it's pretty crazy. So I take it you have a player at home and you, you collect this and you play them, or do you just collect them and then put them on a frame and then stick them up on your wall? Or I mean, I, what's I, the I collect, extent I collect of your... them a little, I, I collect them when I can. Um, okay. Used record stores are like the best place to go ever. Um, that but, are still standing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Dimple's gone. Have you, have you gone to the cave yet? 
out here? What? Out in Folsom? Okay. We haven't gone anywhere. What are the guys <laughs> we're that in used a, to manage? We're in a pandemic. Okay. It's called it's called the cave. The, it's called the cave. Okay. Uh, one of the guys that used to manage, um, that used to manage Zimple, like did it for like 25 years, I think. He was part of the he was part of the company for that long, and he was there until the end. Okay. Um, him and one of the guys, uh, I, I believe, it's the son of Dimple's original owners, put okay. together a single store that is basically Aww. Dimple on steroids. So, and it's Dimple still there. Did, you know, yeah, Dimple did vinyl. Okay. They did, not in the same. I think it's in one in where Dimple used to be in Folsom. That's where I know it where is. that is. Okay, um, that's where the cave is. Go check it out. It's dude. It's like it's over it by the DMV because it does. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's yes, it's over by the DMV. It does comic books. It does uh, clothing, My magazines, uh, Empire Records, collectible toys, vinyl, <laughs> CDs, like yeah. old video games, all of it. And it's of it's it. just this huge collectible store, essentially. So um, the cave in Folsom, California, yeah. I'm going to hit that. Are they open now? Probably not. Yes. Oh, shit. Okay, yes, I'm going to go. Yes, they are. And they put have, a mask on. I'm going to go. They handle their stuff when it comes down to mask policy. They have a good, strict mask policy. Good. good. And they're like, they're a local shop. They're like one of the best collectible. They're like the only collectible store I know of now. Like, oh. yeah, they're the only collectible store I know of, aside from like maybe hitting up a, finding a diamond in a, in a thrift store somewhere. If gotcha. you happen to like be in a Goodwill at the right place, the right time. These and guys, it's a local and it's a local owned store. So you're supporting a local locally you go there and purchase yep. stuff. So, and I'm down, I'm down. Go with that. check out the cave for sure. I'm going to go check it out. Yes. So what, okay. The cave in Folsom, California, y'all go. It's, it's in the older yes. part of Folsom over by the DMV where Dimple Records used to be. Now, do you have a player? Are you playing the music? Uh, do I, uh, do I have a player? Like a for record the vinyl? player? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I got, I have a, I have a, um, uh, I have a direct drive turntable. I want to say it's, it's, uh, I think it's one of the older Technics ones, but it's not like a 1200. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's a Stanton. The one that I have is a Stanton. I wish I could get a 1200. Nessa 1200. That's like <laughs> the, that's the top. <laughs> that's the way to go. But yeah, that's what I'm working with. Uh, that's what I'm working with right now. I actually like, even when I take my vinyl and I like, I'll take it and I'll back it up on my computer too, just for the hell of it. Throw it on a little iPod or something like that. So then definitely please on your next or one of the next videos on your ruling, the ruling note YouTube, please do a little video on vinyl. I would totally watch it. And um, totally. we're getting close to the hour mark. So let's, are we good with calling this? Yeah, I think we, I think we're, we're good for now. I actually right. have to. Yeah, I, I actually have to get going myself, unfortunately. Cool. No, no, no. It's just, we've almost hit an hour. We're just doing so well. So I thank you so much Mike, for hopping for on me. here. This is so much fun. Yeah, and you so cool. you shared a lot of stuff that I learned. So everybody, that's Mike King. Please follow him. He's on Facebook. He's got his own YouTube channel called The Ruling Notes. You'll want to see his video about Metallica. It's the <laughs> mashup of the Beatles Metallica. It's an actual band and they yep. did great success and he does an incredible job covering this whole story. Yeah. Please follow him. And thank you again. This is Mickey signing off with the Bad Filipino. 